Chapter 15. John chapter 15, verse 1. Jill, where, where are the Bibles, the extra Bibles at? Do you know? Give, give a Christian one there, or if he needs one, or anybody needs one. Anybody needs one? Oh, he's got it on his phone. Okay. Everybody got it. John chapter 15, verse 1. Very familiar scripture, I'm sure, to many of you. But let's dig into it and see what, what Jesus is really saying. Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. So we know that every, every branch, if we're considered a branch that's, we're getting our life source from Christ, because, you know, like we have a tree out there and the branch is connected to the tree, it gets its life source from the root of the tree, right? If the branch gets, doesn't get any life source from it and doesn't bear any fruit, the Lord says what he does is he cuts it off. And what happens when a branch is cut off? It falls to the ground and it cannot die, live on its own because here in the scriptures is apart from me, you can do nothing. So he says, every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he cuts it off or takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he purges it or he prunes it that it may bring forth more fruit. So there's a pruning process. Anybody ever prune a tree before? Yeah. Yeah. What, what, what do you do when you prune a tree? You, 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 you cut, you're cutting branches off, excess branches. and Like we have satsuma trees, and those things will just keep growing, growing, growing. If they grow too much, you won't get any fruit. You'll just get a bunch of branches and leaves. So not long ago, I told you I'm going out and, and cut the branches. Of course, she always thinks I cut them too close, you know. But uh, I cut the branches off and, and, and fertilized them, and now the, they're, they're, they're producing more fruit. You see, but, but in that pruning process, there's pain because it's a cutting. It's a testing. It's a, it's a pruning that it's going through. Um, and the Lord says in verse 4, he says, uh, and what, verse 3, he says, Now you are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. So when we hear the word of God and we do the word of God, we are clean by his word. Abide in me. And I in you. Remember, Jesus said, draw near to me, and I'll draw near to you. Abide in me, I abide in you. Continue, follow me, like he says in John 15. As a, the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can you, except you abide in me. I am the true vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered, and men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. So if you're not abiding, if you're not continuing, the word abide is to continue, to stay connected, to be obedient, to walk in him. If you don't abide, it's kind of like John 15. He says, my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. That's an abiding that you're doing. A stranger's voice they will not listen to. They will not follow but the voice of the Lord. They're gathered together not abiding into him. And what happens? They're cast into the fire. See what he's saying? 
pretty clear, right? You know, if you don't bite in, what happens? You're going to end up in the fire. You're, you're going to have eternal damnation, eternal punishment. Herein, this is how my father is glorified, he said in verse 8. Herein is my father glorified, that you bear much fruit, so shall you be my disciples. As the father loved me, so I have loved you, continue in my love. If you keep my commands, you shall abide in my love. So how do you abide in his love? By keeping his commandments. What if I don't keep his commandments? Then I'm not abiding in him, right? Even as the Father has kept my, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love, these things have I spoken to you, that my joy, that your joy, my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. This is my commandment: that you love one another as I have loved you, and that's the fulfillment of the law. Greater love hath no man than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. And ye are my friends. Uh oh, there's an if. If you do whatsoever I command you. Let's talk about this a little bit, okay? We'll start from, from rear end and, and come back up. Who is his friends? People that abide in him. Abide in him? Who is his friends that he says here, plainly? People that follow his commandments. The people that um, do whatsoever I command you, right? What if you don't do what he commands you? Are you his friend? No. Wow, that's pretty strong, Larry. Well, you could be, but I mean, you're not. You, you're not following his commandments. All right. You could, you, you could be if you're following his commandments, yeah. right? Yeah. Right. But Jesus said, who's my friends? I mean, even a friend? You're not, you're not his friend if you don't do his commandments? Yeah, that's good. That's right. One way or the other. So people that say, well, I, Jesus is a friend to me. They're not even saying I love him or I know him, but he just says, well, Jesus and I are friends. We talk all the time. But yet there might be porn or might be some kind of thing going on in life. Is that really his friend? Yeah, that's not a friend of Jesus. He's not a friend of Jesus. I hear people say that all the time. Yeah. Me and, me and uh, God, me and Jesus have got an understanding. Yeah, right. Like, yeah. Yeah, I've heard that too. People say that, and they live in like hell. Yeah. No, you don't. You don't know to Jesus, I know. <laughs> but so he's talking about abiding. He's talking about a continuing. He's talking about a, um, a following in, in him. And apart from him, you can do nothing. And every branch that he receives, he prunes. How many of you have ever been pruned? You've been pruned? Okay, what, a pruning is, is something that you uh, go through. It's a testing that you go through. Job was pruned. Remember Job when he lost everything he had? Uh, when his wife said, curse God and die. When he was sick and had balls all over his body. He was pruned. He was pruned. He was tested. The key is, during that time of testing, what do you do? Paul said that, I know that bonds and afflictions abide me wherever I go in, in Acts chapter 20. But none of those things move me. If I'm going down the road and somebody cuts me off and I get, go into a rage and cuss that person, or Christian says shoot him, <laughs> then I am moved. And therefore, when I went to get pruned and tested, I failed. Now, this is detrimental. This is very, very important. Um, 
in any kind of way, when you're tested, if I, you're moved, you're not abiding in divine. You're not abiding. I'm going to show you this. Go to Matthew chapter 7. No. Matthew chapter 7. You're very familiar with the scripture. We've talked about it a lot, but there's something else that has stuck out there that I want to share with you. This is very, very, very important that you get this and that you understand this. Matthew chapter 7. You remember it starts off in Matthew chapter 7 and verse 13. He said, Jesus is speaking. So we want to take notice of that. The Bible says in 2 Thessalonians 1 and 8 that the Lord shall come with fiery vengeance on those that know not God and that obey not the gospel of Jesus Christ. So we want to look at what Jesus says because we want to be obedient to it because we don't want to be in that fiery vengeance. We want to walk in, with, in the truth of what the Lord says. He starts off in verse 13. He says, straight is the gate and narrow is the way that leads to life and few there be that find it. But broad is the gate and wide is the gate that leads to destruction, and many shall go thereat. But in the next verse, he says, Beware of false prophets, which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. All over the scriptures, Matthew 24, I think, says it four or five times, Beware of false prophets. Watch out for false prophets. And he's telling you he wants you to know and me to know how to recognize a false prophet. Very important. In the next verse, he tells you how. He says, by their fruit, you shall know them by their fruits. Okay? And we just got done talking about fruits over in John 15. And after talking in John 15, I want to pose the question, okay, then if we're going to know a person, if they're really a false prophet or a true prophet, we're going to really know them by their fruits. What is, what is their fruits? What are the fruits that we're going to know them by that it's speaking of? Anybody want to tell me? Want to, want to take a shot at it? I'm not trying to trick you. I, I probably will, but it's okay. <laughs> but what are, what are the fruits that, you, that you're going to know a false prophet, if he's a false prophet or not a false prophet? How would you know? By the words he says. By the words he says? Okay. By, by That's the one way. He does. Okay. By the words. Okay. But, um, by his teachings. Okay. Okay. Uh, you're giving me a lot of different stuff. Okay. Okay, the way he lives, the way he teaches, the way every, every, his old his old demeanor, the, the demeanor. Okay, um, all right. Anybody else? How he treats his, his wife and his children. Okay, how you, okay. Try to stay in the scriptures too. You know, try to stay with what the word says. Huh? By the people that uh, he attracts. By the people he attracts. So, Osteen would be a. So no, Osteen would definitely be a. Like, uh, <laughs> he I want to ask you, okay, I want to ask you a question. Would you say that if he did wonderful good works, that he had good fruit or bad, that that's good fruit or bad fruit, or that's not fruit at all? Three-way question. If he what? If he did, if the person did wonderful good works, is that good fruit, bad fruit, or not fruit at all? You say not fruit at all. <laughs> you paying attention. Anybody else? What was, what was your answer? He said that's not fruit at all. 
If you do good, if you're doing all these wonderful works, it's not really fruit. Okay, listen closely. If he cast out devils, is that good fruit, bad fruit, or no fruit at all? No fruit at all. If he preaches, if he's a preacher and he preaches real good and he attracts all kind of people, seemingly good people or bad people, is that fruit? It depends on if he's preaching the word or not. What's he preaching? Okay, but I'm just saying he's... He, he said, basically, he's a, he, pro, he prophesies, okay? He's a, he prophesies in Jesus' name. Is that good fruit or bad fruit or no fruit at all? He, prophesying in his name. And the prophecy came true. They were true prophets, prophecies that came true. Is that good fruit, bad fruit, or no fruit at all? I know it's well, according, according to what scripture you're I'm going to get there. Yeah, I'm going to get there. But I want, I, want, I want to ask you these questions because I want you to think so that when I give the answer, uh, you, you're going to say, oh, yeah, you're going to get it, and it's going to stick to you because I want this to stick to you. So I want, I want this to be brought out because I want to hear your answers, and I want you to think about what you're saying and think about what this scripture is saying. He's telling you something very important. He says, beware. Look out. Watch out. Why? Because this will harm your soul and send you to hell if you get this wrong. You have to know how to recognize a false prophet. It's very important. You need to recognize and see if I'm a false prophet. And if I am, you need to run. Anybody that's a false prophet, you need to run. It's, just, it's so important. That's why he's bringing this out here. So I want you to think. And I want you to look at what God's word, and I want you to judge it according to what God's word says. Okay, next part we get to is he starts defining a good tree. And I struggled with this for, for most of my years of my life, what I'm talking about tonight. I struggled with it because when, that, when I would read a good tree cannot bring forth corrupt fruit and a bad tree cannot bring forth good fruit, I was like, that doesn't make sense to me because I know bad people that seemingly do good things. And I know good people that seemingly mess up every now and then. They mess up. They, 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 they fall into a sin or, they, or they, um, they, they say something wrong or they, maybe they, they, they do something wrong. They, they, maybe they're not good to a wife or husband or whatever, but they seemingly do good things too. So how can, what are you saying, Jesus, when you say a good tree can't bring forth bad fruit? You ever think about that? I, I did. I struggled with that. I couldn't make that scripture fit. There you go. Wait, we're going there. That's where we're going. That's where I'm trying to get. What did you say? Why didn't you just speak more plainly? He is. Just wait a minute. He's, going, he's getting there. He's getting there. Okay, we're going there. Okay, then, then, okay, after he says all that, verse 20, he says, so that wherefore, after all this, he's saying, by their fruit, you'll know them. Here we go. Not everyone that says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. We know through scripture that when Jesus said to the disciples in Matthew chapter 12, you can jot that down, they, he, they came to him, his mother and his brethren, and they were asking him, uh, they, he said, your mother and brethren are here, they want to see you. Jesus came back with the question, he says, who is my mother, father, and brethren? He looked at his disciples, he says, he says, those who do the will of the father is my mother, father, and brethren, mother and brethren, okay? So, but then Luke came back and said in Luke chapter 8, verse 21, he, he said the same discourse, and he said, 
they came to him and they said, your mother, brother here. And he said, who is my mother? Who is my mother, my brethren, but those who hear my word and do it. So we know that hearing God's word and doing it is the same thing as doing the will of the father. Okay. I know you're trying to study ahead of me, Claire, and get it. Okay. So, uh, no, I got a question when you finish. Okay. <laughs> you want to get there first. Okay. He says, verse 22, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, here we go. Now, keep in mind the fruit. I want you to keep in mind the fruit. I want you to fit this together because I didn't see this for years and I saw it and I'm like, whoa, nobody showed it to me. God showed it to me. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? I begin to look. That sounds like good fruit. And in your name, we cast out devils. That sounds like good fruit. And in your name, did money, many wonderful works. Jesus didn't say, no, you didn't. Oh, your heart wasn't right or any of that. He didn't say that. He said this. He says, and then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of iniquity. Wow. You know Why? Because that's not good fruit or bad fruit. That's not fruit. What type of fruit? So what's fruit? What, what is it? I, I told you in John 15 what fruit was. In John 15 is when you are tested in a particular temptation and you do not give in to the temptation, you do not fall to it, but you hold steadfast in the faith and you do not sin it brings forth a sweet aroma to the Lord, which is the fruit that God wants that you did not sin. So therefore, when you see someone and they are telling you that they are a, a true prophet and you see them when something happens in their life and they're moved by that and they sin, guess what? They're not a good tree. That's a false prophet. Okay, now, there have been many times Recently, maybe we talked about this, when um, people will come Please to the door. Please don't mention any names, okay? Go ahead. <laughs> people will come to the door and say uh, they want this or they want that, and I'll say no. And they'll say, well, that's not very Christian-like. Okay, you're not being very Christian. You're not being godly because you turned me down. Okay, when they, if they... If they I'll, I'll give them a meal, but I'm not going to, am I doing it right? They're, they're definitely sinners, you know. I'll give them a meal and He's talk to them about God, and, and, and they know that. Yeah, that, that's a whole other subject, but to answer that quickly for you is there's two things that you keep in mind. The Bible says that in, in, in Matthew chapter 5, if, if he asks you for your coat, give him your cloak also. That's one side of it. But then and also in the scripture says, if a man doesn't work, neither should he eat. So don't give him, don't give him something. So if, a man's, if that man's just bumming around on you and they say, give me this, you're not obligated to give it to him. They, not, they, they don't want to work, neither should they eat. If they're just being lazy and want to live off of you. Because then, then you're enabling them to continue in that, okay? So you have to look at the whole counsel of the word of God. You don't want to be being stingy in yourself. You want to give to those who are in need, as the Bible says. That's why we work. But yet at the same time, you want to not enable somebody by, because they don't want to work, because they just want to fool, play around and whatever, and you're enabling them by giving them money or giving them food. So, no, that's, that, you're, you're exactly right. Okay. 
going back there being you had you had something. We know that, but this is talking about something different. It talks about Galatians chapter 5. It talks about that the fruits of the spirit of love, joy, peace, long-suffering, those things. That's not that's not where I'm at. Okay, go ahead. I'm talking about by, your, by their fruits you will know them. Okay, okay. let me ask you. Let me, this might help you clear it up. Let me, by asking you a question. Were those things in Matthew seven twenty two that they were doing all those wonderful works, good fruit or bad fruit? Or no fruit. It wasn't about. Because, because Ben. To them, it was good fruit. To them. But to God, what is it? Apart from the uh, workers of iniquity, whatever the case may be, they said, well, we, how do you cast out a demon without the Lord casting the demon out? Is that Bezalel that, that Satan's doing it for you? Yeah, I don't understand even how that works. How can we cast out demons you, you, in the name of you, Jesus and him say, depart from me? I don't even know who they did. Are. I know. They how, did. You can have to, you can ask the Lord that on the day of, on the day of the resurrection. This is how you know. This is how you know. If if I've got somebody standing up saying, "Well, I'm that I'm I sin and I'll sin till the day of I die," that's the fruit. I know, I know, but you got to understand that most of the whole entire planet they've been taught this. And it's what they see, and the Lord hasn't given them that revelation. So they're not, I, I don't know how that works with, they, they've never seen it. They don't even know anything about it. They think they're going to send it to the day they die, and it's just, that's acceptable, and that is what it is. We live by grace, and whatever the case. But what I'm saying is that you will know them by their fruit. Okay, well, so, so to me, you're telling me that, well, the way, the, really what good fruit is, is that if you're tempted, you're, you've come through that temptation. I don't, how do you, you know, that, that's, that's, that's something that's like in the inside. That's not like a, you know, you would know them by their No, fruits. no, it's something that's manifest. And, but I understand what you're saying also. A, a, a bad tree bringing forth this good fruit and vice versa. I get all that stuff because there are a lot of people that are not even believers at all that do a lot of good stuff. And then there's a lot of people that are believers that come, we've got some bad stuff coming about. So to me, really sitting here at this very moment, I'm absolutely 100% confused. Because you want to say what? Confused? confused? That's kind of good. That's kind of good. Of course it is. Okay. <laughs> That's good. I'm glad. At least before you were on the other side, now you're confused in the middle. So you... That's and Jesus made it as simple as possible. Because no, no, because he he said that a good tree can't bring forth good bad fruit. And 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 here Jesus is saying these people are going to hell. So that could not have been a good tree. A good tree don't go to hell. They were good works. They weren't good fruit. Okay, so they presented this to God saying that we cast... Works don't get you to heaven. Those kind of works don't get you to heaven. It's, it's being without sin that gets you to heaven. It doesn't... All that doesn't matter is what Jesus said. No, you're not at all. Never said, well, he never said the outcome of being tempted is your fruit. That's right. But one of the, you cannot prune works. No, you only can prune fruit. 
say it. But that's not how you know that by those. That's right. Yes, you're right. But but here, but here the 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 stuff they were doing here was stuff that you could still do and still be in sin. They could not make it to heaven. They, that was not good fruit. That's not in the class of good fruit. Ben, Ben, the the religious world does it every day. They do that every day. They're casting out devils, and they're still in sin. Do what? The, the Lord, the, but they not they didn't accuse Jesus of of, of uh, uh, they're not accusing him of of doing it by the devil. We're not saying that they did it. By, they're not saying it. It's not saying they did it by the devil. Just take the simplicity of the scripture. Those people didn't. That, those people. Jesus said, not me. Jesus said, a good tree cannot bring forth bad bad fruit. And then he tells you that they're doing all these things and they're and they're going to hell. They they were doing those things. He didn't say they weren't doing them. They were doing those things and they're going to hell. They were doing good, okay, so they were doing good works. Doing they were good casting fruit. out devils. They, they were prophesying in his name and they end up in hell. They didn't have good fruit. The Lord, the Lord allows that to happen. Hey, I wanted to tell you something. Well, the will of the Father is hearing his word and doing it. Hey, Ben, I just, <laughs> I, I haven't tried to, try to get your attention for five minutes, man. But I'm trying to tell you what helped me out with the scripture was he just said in the, uh, I think it was uh, chapter, um, I think it was uh, John 15, he was saying that the, uh, 
they're being pruned. And so you got to ask yourself the question, can works be pruned? But fruit can be pruned. And so once we get the definition of fruit and the definition of works, we now have to ask ourselves, okay, which one of these can be pruned? Which one of these are capable of being pruned? You can't prune a work, but you can, God prunes fruit. And so if he doesn't prune works, but he prunes fruit, and so it lets me know that, okay, well, these are works. And if he's purging the fruit, then my works aren't my fruit. So there's a, sep there's a separation between, there's a difference between what's defined as works and what's defined as fruit. And so, directly correlated because it literally says you bear fruit in every good work that you do. So right. obviously you have right. fruit and works very similar. Very similar. They're not similar. They have to they have to they have to be together. It says you bear fruit in every good work. So you can't bear fruit without works, obviously. Yes, bear fruit brings forth works, but the works is not what 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 Jesus is talking about here well, uh, he's talking about fruit here, and he's talking about these. Bottom line is, these people did not make it. He told them that that they had bad, that, that basically they had bad fruit in their life because they were sinning, and that this was not considered good fruit because because if it was considered if that's considered good fruit, then they then they would have been a good tree bearing forth corrupt fruit, or, or they would not have any corrupt fruit. They did. They had sin. They, they were. They, a lot of a lot of people that are that are that are sinners do good things. They do good things. Yeah. Right. That, but but the surprising. The surprise. The thing that's being that these people these people are saying this to the Lord in that day that final day. They are pleading with the Lord, saying, look what we did. You know, we did all this, this good stuff, you know, good works. And he says, depart from me. I don't know you. They didn't. Hey, I'm sorry. I just got something. I think I got something. <laughs> you all right? I think I got something. I got something. So look, in, in verse, so he says, you will know them by their fruit, right? Right. And Jesus said right here, I never knew you. That's right. Right? Yeah, you, you, so, might, you so, might know him, but you're not, he's not going to know you. I, I know, but I'm saying, <laughs> so Jesus is telling us that we will know them, these people who's going to hell, we will know them by their fruit. That's right. And Jesus tells them to depart from me because I didn't know you by your fruit. Right? Because well, Jesus said, I never knew you. Is that the same thing? Not exactly. Not exactly. Not exactly. I figured it would be. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know which one. <laughs> but but the two most important commandments are you would know this. Love me with all your heart, mind, and soul, strength. Know and that means follow all his rules. And rules are not that many. You know, but follow his rules. Exactly like he said, not by watch. Mm -hmm. And love your neighbor as yourself. And, and, and if you follow them, then he's going to know you. You're in a safe place then. That's right, because you're, you you're, you're not sinning. Because you're not sinning. You know, you do what he says, everything else. Okay, these people were sinning, right? Yeah. Jesus said that. And yet they were doing these good works. So that doesn't matter. They, that, it, it cancels it out, right? Yeah. That's right. That's good, Terry. works themselves could be good fruit 
if someone godly was doing it. So you can't call these things that he's listed as never being good fruit. It's just because the doer was not good. I, I, if, it, if it was good fruit for these people, if that was good fruit for those people, they would have to be a good tree. If, if they didn't have any sin in their life, if they didn't have any sin in their life, period. Good works is really what it is. If it's fruit, if it's fruit, and it was good fruit, they these people are corrupt. Get it? Listen to me. These people are corrupt. Right? Yes. They corrupt. They can't bring forth good fruit. You're saying this is good fruit. No, I'm not. They, okay. Well, in, in, in their life or anybody's life, it doesn't matter. If this was good fruit, you'd have a bad tree bringing forth good fruit. It can't happen. Sure, sure does. That's right. You're, that's a good point. That's good. Re- in Matthew 24 also. It says that. If you were a good fruit doing those good works, then it'd be good. <laughs> you said it right. Good works. It can't. It cannot be. Listen to me. It cannot be good fruit though. You got that? It cannot be considered good fruit. Why? Because those people that said they did those things ended up in hell. Hold up. It still wouldn't be good fruit. It still would have to be good work. Why? Because he said a good tree can't bring forth bad fruit. Simple. Listen to what Jesus said. A good tree cannot bring forth bad fruit. You saying this bad fruit is bringing forth good fruit. It, it is, but they are bad fruit. They are bad. I'm talking about them. They're, they're a bad tree. Ben, Ben, a, a tree. Okay, let's let's back up. What is a tree? What is a tree? What is a tree? We're the tree. Good. We're the tree. Okay. If you're a good tree, yes, sir. How are you defined? Can, can you bring forth anything bad? No. Any anything? No, no bad fruit. Wait a minute. Reverse it, Ben. Reverse it now. I don't want to reverse it. No, listen to me. Slow down. Can a corrupt tree, obviously these people are a corrupt tree. A corrupt tree cannot bring forth good fruit. Then what is this? You got it. You got it. No, you don't. Yes, it doesn't. 
because none of us say fruit and works. Right. So and not, none of them. Are. You need to understand fruit and works. Fruit is in a whole different person who works. Is there another scripture reference that references other people doing works? But that wasn't. So it has nothing to do with all that stuff. I think so too. All that stuff that they were doing was good fruits, but it was coming from a bad tree. Impossible. 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 A good, a bad tree cannot bring forth good fruit. You saying they doing good fruit? It's impossible. No, no, I'm not. I'm saying that action, words. that action. They're saying, "Hey God, we we, we cast up these demons in your name." We the bad tree is thinking that that's good good work. They thinking it. Yes. Good tree. Wait a minute. Stop where yet. They thinking it, but is it in reality? No, but if a good, good. tree, say a good tree, someone that's walking upright did those things. That would be good fruit. Good works. Good works. Good works, not good fruit. If it was, no, no, it's not. It's important that you understand that it's not. Because if it's a, a bad, he's saying a bad tree cannot bring forth good fruit. Wait a minute. These people were bad. He didn't say bad works. He said bad he, fruit. These people were bad. These trees were bad. Hold on, just listen a minute. These trees were bad, right? They went to hell. The tree. At this point, they're going to hell. It don't matter. Well, yeah. It don't matter. Okay, okay, but I need to go further with that. Let me, let me hold, let me hold it a minute. A, a bad tree cannot bring forth good fruit. These were bad trees. Everybody agree? When they died, I agree with that. So they could. So if these things that you're saying were good fruit to anybody, they were good words. If they, they were good fruit then you'd be saying a corrupt tree is bringing forth good fruit. Last Tuesday, there was a prophet over there that did some of these things, and he was a godly man. The things that he did looked like the things that the bad tree did, but they're credited to him as righteousness because he was a godly man, and those were good things. I never said they weren't good things. The things you're calling prophets, what we think you're saying, I never said that. No. No, you're not understanding what I'm saying. Go ahead, Don. Sure. I think one thing that we need to take into mind is if the sin that these talking about is the Sure, all of us were, yeah. But we're good fruit, we're good trees now. Yeah, we weren't then. So because because we've repented of our sins. And we're not sinning anymore. That's right. We're not sinning anymore. Okay. Right. So we're people that just have not turned away from their sins. 
that, that's that's the point, Don. But the but the point I'm trying to make though is recognizing a false prophet. If a person um, is is sinning and he's doing this stuff, that's not good fruit in his life. Okay. Okay. Huh? Those are good works, not good fruit. Because a good tree can't bring forth bad fruit. And if he's living right for God, he's not going to bring forth bad fruit. If he's, re- if he's living wrong for the Lord, he's not going to bring forth good fruit. These people were living wrong for the Lord. They were not living for God. They, were, they had sin in their life. Though they were doing these things, it wasn't considered fruit for them that it was good fruit. Because they were... No, because because their hearts are different then. But it was but 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 he would sti- but he's he's telling us that you can't recognize and say, well, because that person is prophesying or casting out devils or doing many good works, that that person's a a, a, a true prophet. The only way you know a true prophet from a from a false prophet is do they have sin. How they reacting when when temptation and sin comes into life? That's the fruit. Because he said, by the fruit you know them. A person, a lot. Everybody says they're right. Everybody says they're Christian, especially here in the South. But how do we really know whether they are or not? It's not. It's not by 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 the works that they do and by all these wonderful things. Because man, that's what was getting me. I was seeing bad people. I see that them doing good stuff all the time. You know, and I was, That's what confused me. Is like. Lord, you said a corrupt tree can't bring forth good fruit, but I was confused thinking that was fruit coming, good fruit coming from their life. And you're saying it's impossible and that a good tree can't bring forth bad fruit. Like, that's impossible. And I see good people that, that, were, that I thought were good bringing forth and doing good things. But that's not how you judge whether they are true prophet or not, or even ourselves, how we judge ourselves. The way we judge ourselves is whether we're sinning or not. That's the real fruit. Yeah, exactly, and we do ourselves also. A good, a good explanation of that is like in Second Corinthians chapter four. Um, there, it talks about this is the fruit the Lord wants to see come forth from your life. Here in Second Corinthians four, where Paul talks about this, he says, he says in verse seven, we have this treasure in our earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. He says we are troubled. On every side, yet not distressed. We're not stressed out. It doesn't move us. We are perplexed, but we're not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus Christ. That the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. For we which live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. What did we see in Paul's life? This is a man that said, those things that you've seen, you heard, and you learned of me, do them. When Paul was pressured, he didn't give in to the pressure. He wasn't moved. When he was distressed, when he was under persecution, he was not moved. Remember in Acts 20, he said... I go bound into Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there. But one thing I do know, that bonds and afflictions abide me always. Things happen to be real bad. But he said, none of those things move me 
for I count not my life dear unto myself. When people see your life and see you going through something, somebody might be gnawing on you, giving you a hard time, cursing you, whatever, and you're not moved by that and, and go into rage and, and, and curse or whatever like the world does, then they, then they see the fruit of what's coming forth from your life. Then you say, that looks like a true prophet. But when I see somebody get up and say, hey, man, I sin every day. Hey, I, I do this. You know, I'm, I, you know, we're all sinners. I know then that's a false prophet because that's what the fruit is. The fruit is well, you moved when those things happened to you. Jesus said this in, in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 21. He said this, to follow his steps, he said. And here is, are his steps. Watch, watch out here. He says, for even hereunto were you called. This is what you and I are called to. Because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps. What was the first step that he did? Who did no sin. All right, follow that step. That's number one. Number two, neither was guile found in his mouth. Nothing came out of his mouth that was wrong. Who, when he was, number three, who when he was reviled, he reviled not again. He didn't defend himself. Good fruit. When he suffered, he didn't threaten. Some people say, tell him, well, I thought you do this, I'll do that. He's threatening. But he committed himself unto him who judges righteously. What happens when a person sees somebody like that? Wow, that guy's not moved. Like Paul said, look at, look at 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter uh, 1. First Thessalonians, I'm sorry, chapter 2. Verse 9, he says, For you remember, brethren, our labor and travail, uh, for laboring night and day because we would not be chargeable or be an expense unto any of you. We preached unto you the gospel of God. You are witnesses, and God also, how holily and justly and unblameably we behaved ourselves among you that believe. So, that was the fruit. They were seeing their lives. They could tell whether they were a false prophet or a true prophet because they could see how holy they, was, they were living, how blameless they were living, how justly they were living. It wasn't because they were preaching, because they were casting out devils, because they were doing wonderful works. They were looking at their lives. What kind of fruit do you have coming forth from your life when you're going through the test? That's how you know to detect a false prophet or a true prophet. And that's how you know also, because in, if you look at Luke chapter 6, we have the same, same account in Luke. Uh, if you'll turn there, Luke 6. He says there again. Uh, let's start at the top of verse 39. He says in the parable, he says, Can the blind lead the blind and they not both fall into the ditch? So... If, if I got a beam in my eye, I can't see anything. I'm blind. And, I'm, and, I'm, and so I'm admittedly saying, I'm, uh, like, like they told Cedric, I'm ungodly. I'm a sinner. You know, all these things. You're blind. Now, if you're trying to lead other people, you're going to both fall into this. You're not going to make it. Okay? The disciple's not above his master, but everyone that is perfect shall be as his master. Take that one. But listen to verse 41. But why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but perceivest not the beam that's in your own eye? 
How can you say to your brother, brother, let me pull out the mote that's in your eye when yourself has this beam in your own, in your own eye? Now, a lot of people say, see, you shouldn't judge. But what, look what he says here. You hypocrite. You're saying one thing and you're doing something else. That's what a hypocrite is. Cast out first. Get the beam out of your eye. Some people, most people preach you can't get the beam out of your eye. He said, get it out. Why? So that you can help your brother see clearly to pull out the moat that's in his eye. How are you going to help your brother if you don't get the sin out of your own life? Just like he says in Romans 2, he says, you that say do not steal, do you steal? You that say do not com commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You got to get that out. You cleanse yourself from all the fire of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of the Lord. You um, lay aside every weight and the sin with that does so easily beset you and run the race that's set before you. So here he goes, verse 43. For a good tree bringeth not forth corrupt fruit, neither doth a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. For every tree, not just the false, false preacher, the, the, the false prophet, a uh, 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 false lamb, for every tree is known by his own fruit. For thorns men do gather figs, nor a bramble bush gather they grapes. In other words, you're not going to bear one kind of fruit here and one kind of fruit another. James says it in James 3, he says, a fountain can't bring forth salt water and fresh water. It won't work. It's not a, it's not a true fountain if it does. It's, it's not the same. So if you're, going to be, if you're a true fountain in the Lord, you're going to bring one kind of fruit. It's the fruit under holiness. Then he goes on and he says, A good man out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is good, and an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth that which is evil. For of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaks. So you, you see there again, uh, if a person gets moved, what, where's the, most of the sin going to come from? Most of the time it comes out of his mouth. A cuss word, a, a, a discontent, murmuring, complaining, these things, they come out of the mouth because it's what's in the heart. And why do you call me Lord, Lord? And do not the things that I say. See the context of it? He's talking about sin. That's the bad fruit. Why are you calling me Lord, Lord, and do not the things that I say? Whoever comes to me and hears my sayings and doeth them, I'm going to show you who he's like. He's like a man, the one that doesn't. He's like a man that built his house. He's building a house. And he digs real deep. We lived in California. And in California... We lived in, this, it was sand, and you had to get real deep to find the foundation. Don builds houses. Don knows that when you build a foundation, you got to get down to, to the clay, to the heart of, heart of the, you can't build a, you don't want to build a foundation on topsoil. Oh, build it on sand. Oh, Don. <laughs> That's why your houses are blowing down. <laughs> but, but you got to get deep, he said, and lay the foundation on a rock. Who's the rock? Christ, right? But he's got to get deep in his repentance. He can't just have a shallow repentance. And just say, well, I confess I've done this and this, but yet I've got this other sin that you're holding on to. You've got to let it all go. It's got to be a full repentance. And when the flood rose, what's the flood? And the streams. And they beat vehemently upon that house and could not shake it, for it was founded on the rock. What's the streams? What's, what's the, um, uh, the flood that arose? You know what that is? What, do, you, do you recognize what that is in your life? What's the flood and the streams that's beating against the house, the wind? What, what does that signify? It's coming against this guy. This guy built his house on this rock, and he's got all this hurricane stuff coming at him. Sin. What is that? What is it? Sin. Well, no, it's, it's trials. It's, it's testings. It's, it's those things that come at you every day that you live. It's all those, those, 
people coming at you, persecutions, all these things that Paul talked about. But what happens when you found it on the rock? Yeah. It's not moved. No. So what happens? It brings forth good fruit. It's a sweet aroma to the Lord. That's how you recognize. That's how you know that you got good fruit. While you was reading it in Matthew 5, something else that came to my mind. Is reading Luke 6. Okay, go ahead. Well, you know you see a blind leading a blind and coming in. Luke dangerous. 6, yeah. <laughs> That's also in Matthew 5, too. too okay, right? all right. So Matthew 5, he talks about, you know, get the blind in your mind, get the mode out of your eyes, you got your brother the demons out, right? And so the people that were doing all those wonderful works, right, they had the beam in their eye, you know, while they were prophesying and so forth, which is why they ended where they ended up, because they couldn't see. Whether you know it with sin, it, you can't see scripture for what it says or, or or anything right because there's a beam in your eye that's considered the sin that's in your eye. Yeah. So once you get the sin out of your heart, exactly. white, you, or the mode really. in your eye, which is referring to the sin in your heart, once you get that out, then you can actually see scripture for what it says. You can understand the Bible crystal clear in, in, in simplicity. But when you got sin or any type of sin in your heart, you can't really see what does scripture even really say? Right. Because there's still even a speck of sin in your life. So that's why some people can't really see what does scripture even say because there's still sin in your life or in your heart. But once you get all of it out, you say, man, I've been exactly. missing it for years because you there's see been clearly. sin in your life for years. Yes. So once you get all that out, now you can say, man, Don, you've been making sense for all this time, but I haven't understood it because there was still sin in my life. That's so right. that's why in Matthew 5, these people were blind. You know, right. they ended up. Yeah, that's good. Mm-hmm, that's good. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Oh, man, you're so hard-headed. <laughs> the, the main point of it, though, is that, that you, you have to get that. Okay, okay, now, now I'm going to show you these other people here in this scripture. It was a real good point, wasn't it? Yeah. You can't see the truth. Yeah. 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 So, so Don, if you put that in context of today that we live in, with people admittedly that they still sinning all the time, they're telling you, "I got a beam in my eye. I got a beam in my eye. I don't see." And then, and I like what, what Cedric did. We told that when that guy said, when he asked that guy, he says, "Are you guys ungodly?" Because they don't want to say they're godly because they got they know they're still sinning. They said, "Yeah, we're ungodly." And and Steve and, and, and uh, 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 Cedric told him. He says, "Well, Psalms one says that I'd be cursed if I sit in the council of the ungodly. So if you're going to get up there and preach to me, and you saying you're ungodly, man, I'm directly going against what the Word of God tells me to do. I'm really in trouble. So if somebody's telling you." That you're always going to sin or that day of sin or that sinners are going to heaven, you know right away they're ungodly because they got a beam in their eye. And, and how can you sit there and listen to them of what they're telling you when you're sitting and you're going directly against what God told you to do by telling you not to sit in the council of the ungodly? 
Pretty simple, ain't it? So I, I, that was a good point that he made. They are. Yeah, he said, yeah, yeah dude. Like he's proud of that. Well, yeah, he's, he's admittedly saying, I'm living in Romans 7. The things I want to do, I don't do. The things I don't want to do, I end up doing. I'm carnal. I'm, I'm, I'm in bondage to sin. That's what he said. That's what he said. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. All right, let's go to verse 49. Y'all got to be with the whole group. <laughs> yeah, we agree. But Jesus, Jesus separates. Not us. No, yeah. he, he separates works from Verse 49 of chapter, of chapter 6 of Luke. So we talked about the first one. His, his foundation was built on the rock. Okay? He dug deep. He built on the rock. The storms of life came against him. He was not moved because he was built on the rock. Um, he had removed the beam from his eye. He saw clearly. He found that place in Christ. But the second one, but he that heareth the word of verse 49 and doesn't do it is like a man that without a foundation built his house upon the earth. Earth means, if you look it up, it means like your flesh. Came from dirt. It's dirt. You built your house on yourself. We're in Luke 6. I know you want to be in Matthew 5, but you need to get to Luke 6. He built his house on the earth, self against which the stream did beat vehemently, and immediately it fell, and the ruin of the house was great. That's exactly what happened to people in, Rome, in Matthew 7, right? They built their foundation on themselves, and they, therefore they could not live without sin. They did not preach you could live without sin. They did not believe you could live without sin, and therefore they were doing some seemingly good stuff, like you said, but they missed the boat because they allowed sin to continue in their life. And Jesus said, I, I, I don't know you. Depart from me, you that work iniquity. Amen? Amen. We're all together? Yeah. We're all together? Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say this. He's saying, what are the storms? The storms are the people that come, and because you don't give them what they want, they, they say you're not godly. Yeah, that's a, that's a storm. All right, yeah. perfect. Good deal, Jill. If you're not clear on it, go back and study it out. Study, this, study it out. Look, look at it. I mean, there's, there's, there's no way around it. You can do two. You can do two different things. You can actually go back on Google and, and Google of uh, uh, third and fourth century Christians before th the third and fourth century, and none of the beliefs of, of um, the early church believed in a sin nature. You can go back to Genesis three and see if that's part of the curse. It's not. You can you can go to Genesis uh, chapter four verse one and you can see that God told uh, Cain to rule over that sin. Why would He tell him to rule over if He couldn't do it? Because if He was born with a sin nature, you can go to. Uh, Proverbs 16, 1, I'm sorry, um, Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 26, and we'll, we'll go through all that, but we'll, we'll go through it. 